Hello, and welcome to the Vevolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vevolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vevolution stage. This panel, titled Low Impact Living for Future Generations, was hosted by Imi Lucas and explores sustainable living, circular economy, and climate change. A little note on this podcast, there are audience questions toward the end, which we have kept in, but they are a little on the quiet side, so just keep an ear out for that. This talk was recorded on the Eat Drink Vegan stage at Vevolution Festival 2018. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to our low impact slash just environmental chat. I'm not going to talk very much because I've already spoken today and I want to give these guys a really good opportunity to talk about their stuff because they all come from very different backgrounds and it's really exciting like what you're all doing because all you do is very 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 different um i actually want to start with claudia please tell everyone who you are and what you do but what's really interesting about claudia is that she comes from a very mainstream social media background and she's managed to change the perspective of her kind of social media and change it to be into like a sustainability type thing but i won't chat on about that I think maybe take take the reins. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, can you hear me? Cool. Um, so I'm Claudia, and I am a Spanish YouTuber and writer. So I started eight years ago, quite a long time ago, and I started doing makeup and fashion, fast fashion and not cruelty-free makeup. And then I changed to entertainment, so I was doing, like, um, quite mainstream, uh, rapping on YouTube, all, all that kind of stuff. And I transitioned again to sustainability and environmentalism. So now what I do is I try, because I found out, and we were chatting earlier about this, I, I, I found out that the best way to share this message uh, of being more compassionate with the earth, one of the best ways is to do it through the mainstream, so trying to find an equilibrium between the both. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. And um, yeah, I recently brought out a book and it's a novel and it's a fiction novel. And if you read it or if you pick it up, you would never say that it's got an environmentalism approach to it, but it does. So it's like kind of like um, in the background subconsciously, you're like taking it all in. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you're able to use your platforms and kind of like subtly get that environmental kind of, oops, sorry, environmental kind of, uh, I don't know, perspective in there. And actually one of the things I wanted to ask you guys as, because you all do individual things, but you're all influencers in some way. And I was thinking, like, what do you think is more important for, like, furthering the environmental movement? Do you think, like, grassroots activism in terms of what you're doing online? Or do you think political form is really the way forward? Or a nice mix of both? Maybe, Parwan, if you want to start? Um, sure. Do I introduce myself? Yeah, and introduce yourself. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Bit forward, uh, bit forward. Hello. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I basically run a company called Zero Waste Club. We... We are like Ocado but plastic free. And we ship to your house. And uh, we are also working on diverting trash from landfill. For example, uh, this mason jar was about to be thrown away uh, by a company that makes moonshine. And we approached them and we were like, hey guys, uh, do you mind if you take this and clean it and you know resell it? Uh, and they were like, that's fine. 
Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, easy things. Um, and we are also trying to make a recycling system for things that can't be recycled. For example, flexible plastics. <coughs> uh, your plastic bags usually can't be recycled, bubble wrap. So we're trying to compress it and make things out of it. Um, and the question was that, what's more effective in my opinion? Cool, um, I think people have the power. And you know, if you look at uh, Exxon Mobil, it's like one of the largest oil companies on earth. They make more profit in a year than the value of the, the whole solar industry in the U US. You know, it's, it's crazy, like we can't win with money. So we have to really stand up for what we believe in and push policy by influencing, you know, your MPs um, and really making your own change. And right now, solar is really about close to the same price as your normal energy. And, you know, you could make the switch and it's there for you. So I think it's mainly up to the individual, but you do need to push your, push your MPs and politicians too. Ian, I really, really love what you do because you create such a sense of community and bringing people closer to actually where their food comes from. Yeah. I think it would be interesting if you sort of talk about, yeah, what you do, but also like how important is it that connection between where your food comes from and nature in terms of where we can go? Yeah, so um, try to summarise it in five minutes, trying to get my head together. <laughs> um, so basically, I've converted my house into a project to give a demonstration of how to live more sustainably. Um, so I've lived in a council house and I've done that. I compost, I use less plastics, I've got a urinal, um, got a tree house we built around the tree rather than knocking it down. Uh, we've got growing, so it's not just, it's, it's a lot of things, a lot of entities. But the crucial thing for me is the fact that I think I agree with what the gentleman was saying here is that for me it's people it. Um, I think if you look at the society, um, as much as I would love to be in a position of um, being in a mainstream person or being mainstream, I've never been looked as a mainstream individual until more recently. I've been doing this 11 years and it's only now that the traction is starting to happen where people are starting to kind of embrace the ideas and philosophies that I've, I've done. So I would definitely say that if we look at the global population, if we look at indigenous people, for example, across the world, they are the keepers of the earth and the most sustainable people in the world. But yet we in the West are dominating a narrative about what sustainability is. So for me, I think it's folly for me to kind of say, yeah, we know what the answers are. So I truly believe that it's a mixture it's not just about one type of people dominating, but I do feel like if we look at an economic situation, uh, an economic system, it doesn't really do the best for nature. It's more about profit. So I truly believe that people are the way to make the difference in society. Um, but the mixture is definitely a way forward. Political, political, business, people. If you can get a mixture, I think it's great, but I do think people should lead the charge for uh, that movement. Yeah, 100%. And like Paolo also comes from a really interesting perspective because not only is he, you know, on social media and promoting like plastic free living, but he also works for Lush in their like environmental department. And yeah, I thought you could talk about maybe from both perspectives what we could do as sort of individuals in terms of furthering our impact and then maybe any advice you might have for companies wanting to move forward in a more sustainable way. Yeah. Hello everyone. It's very very cozy room. It's quite a nice room this. Um yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. You've got, you've got a lot of sides of the spectrum. So I think one of the key things we need to really realize about sort of society and consumerism 
and basically what governs companies is like demand and supply. So governance is good, like changing things on a broader political level is really good, but usually that's driven by what consumers are demanding. So the more we shift our habits and shift what we want to sort of consume, that's probably going to shift a lot of the bigger things. Now, there are some things that we can't necessarily control, but um, obviously it's good to have both. But I would definitely say never think that oh, we should leave it to the higher powers to do something because really we, we are the power, right? We, we kind of govern the world in the sense of what we're buying is shaping the world that we see. And I think both for businesses and people, I think we need to really look at the things that are having the biggest impact. So like what's material? So um, for example, right, we're all probably sitting here today, we all have money, right? We all have a bank account. But then it's hard to, that's probably where the most of the power in the world lies is money. Sadly, if we have to just accept that it's kind of the case to a, to a degree. Um, but it's like, I didn't even realize this till too recently, but it was like, I have all these things I believe in, right? So let's just say I'm against war, arms, um, factory farming, all of this sort of things. But then I'm with a bank that the majority of my power is sitting in an institution that is literally investing in arms, investing in all the things I hate, fracking, deforestation. So it's like, we have to really look at the things that are material and have the biggest impact. And maybe just a simple switch is changing your bank. That could be one of the most powerful things that you do. So I think you need both, but you need to really look at what's the biggest things. And I think another thing is just, we always talk about sustainability, but is that even enough anymore? You know, if we just sustain the world as it is now, what are we really sustaining? We need to sort of go beyond it and maybe look towards how can we start regenerating as well? So looking towards not just, oh, is this sustainable? Like, how can we start drawing carbon back down? And look, sort of looking at things like that. So it's a very broad spectrum and there's lots to talk about, but yeah, that's a little intro. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's also really interesting is that the majority of people here obviously are vegan, and we are, but there can be these kind of stigmas towards veganism, especially like if you saw EpiVegan's chat earlier about, chat talk earlier about um, what he was talking about being polarized if you kind of talk about veganism, or that's like one of the first things you identify with. And there has been, I think, a bit of a stigma around it. And what I kind of wanted to, ask you guys is do you think that there's a similar kind of stigma around saying you're an environmentalist or saying that you are plastic free or anything like that and like what are your tips or kind of how do you think we can spread this message in a really attainable way without alienating people and making sure that it's coming across as like not preachy or anything like that I need some time to think <laughs> um, so for me, um, so being a person of colour, coming from a working class background, I feel marginalised anyway. That's just that's just the reality of society we live in. Um, so I'm always thinking about making it more inclusive. I think um, for me. Um, the movement, if any movement is not reflecting biodiversity, like if I look, I look, I take inspiration from nature in terms of how I think and how I, I set up my systems and how I work. And so if any system is not biodiverse, it's not resilient. So if you just have one type of people coming from one type of background, one kind of class, da da da, da the movement cannot, it's not going to be resilient. It's not going to work. So one of the things I do is make music. I use a lot of art and music to engage people that would probably never be interested in um, plant-based veganism cooking. So, for example, we work with young people in Brixton 
and their proper chicken, chicken, chicken and chips. You know, Morley's is their thing. Do you know what I mean? But now they're actually, after a year, some of them actually stopped eating chicken and chips, which is our greatest success. And some of them are now cooking um, plant-based food and actually feeding their own community. So, you know, for us, it's about creativity, using creative, you know, using creative methods to really make that, that, that movement much more interesting and much more diverse and robust. Yeah, 100%. Like... What about you, Claudia? Like, I know that because you were mainstream, like, how do you kind of engage those followers in what, when you're trying to talk about sustainability without alienating them or making them feel like you're a completely different channel now? Well, um, one of the things that I uh, talk the most about is plastic free. I think it's the worst thing in the world. And it was made to be really durable. and it really does last a long time. So I talk a lot about that because I think it's the easiest thing that people can give up, inverted commas, because everything is packaged in plastic. But it's something that they don't have, like they don't have to um, give up and part of their identity. They don't have to go vegan, so they don't have to stop eating meat, which is something that they maybe have been brought up with. Um, so I think choosing uh, to introduce someone to this kind of lifestyle, uh, choosing something that's quite easy to find an alternative to. Nowadays, you can find like plant-based plastic glasses or any kind of thing, like uh, straws, anything. So just talking about things that will not uh, people will not take us an attack on them because we all are really protective of ourselves and we don't like when to be told that we're doing something wrong. So it's just um, having that attitude of this is fine, you can do whatever you want, but look, this is you have all these alternatives. This is the benefit that you will be getting yourself money-wise and hopefully consciously, like in your con conscience, conscience. Thanks. Not my first language. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's just taking it really easy, uh, just not shoving it in. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Um, so what I found was quite interesting is, so one of the main reasons I actually went vegan in the first place was for the environment. Um, one of the biggest reasons that changed me, but and it is one of the things that has the most impact. Um, so when it, was, when it came to like doing stuff like going plastic free, I actually found it actually opened up uh, more conversations because I think veganism is a bit of a, when people hear you're vegan, they might get, they kind of might shy away from you a little bit. But then say you're in a restaurant and you're ordering vegan, but then you're also like, oh, don't worry about, you know, don't worry about your cutlery, that disposable cutlery or whatnot, or the straw. For some reason, I actually find it actually tends to open the doors and then, it might then lead to a conversation about why you do it it's for the environment. And then, because most people, when they actually just, even just take in veganism, like they just tend to see it as the purely animal side, which is, of course, um, should be looked into. But the environmental side is a huge impact. And I find talking about these issues to do with the environment actually might open the door to these kind of conversations. And it makes it seem a bit less kind of scary to look at veganism. You can look at it from the broader perspective, which a lot of us, I think, who are vegan maybe have that perspective. But I think I find it's actually opened more doors mm -hmm. and having those good conversations. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with things like Blue Planet 2. It kind of makes you feel like you're part of the conversation rather than this like small percentage of the public who just is trying to push this other idea on you, maybe. But I'm just going to have one more question before we open up to a Q&A. But 
I, um, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And some of the things, especially like, I don't know, recycling, for example, I think there's a lot of gaps. And I was just wondering if any of you have any ideas of like, what you think some of the biggest gaps are? I'm looking at you. And like, uh, how, how we can go about trying to fill some of those knowledge gaps and help people become more educated consumers. Cool, so I'm gonna blow your mind for a second. Um, everything, absolutely everything human beings produce is 100% recycled. Yeah. Like, it's 100%, you know? So you'll be like, well, what are you on about? Um, the truth is the council is only taking glass, metal, paper, and rigid plastics is because when they process it, they can sell the raw material back for a higher price than what it costs them to collect it. So this means that you know your biscuit wrappers don't get recycled, uh, your vegan yogurt cups don't get recycled, uh, because mainly in plastics there's no weight to it. Um, so if, for example, this, this has some weight to it, most recycling systems will be like, yeah, okay, I think this is composted, you know, it's recyclable, great. Um, you know. The truth is, everything can be recycled, it's just that it costs money. And if somehow um, there was a way that you could take the material that can't be recycled and turn it into something better, and that can be sold for higher, then that makes sense. Um, but there's a problem with recycling. Recycling is a lie. Da, da, da. Um, recycling is a lie because you know if you recycle this, it can only be turned into a cup one more time. If you recycle a bottle, it can only be turned into a bottle one more time. And you can recycle it again, but it will probably go to something like a park bench or a chair. Um, so you know it should be called downcycling. And recycling is not the answer. Uh, reducing, reusing, and upcycling is the, where the answer is, and recycling should be the, the last resort we should take, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, just to add, you know, like, actually, as I said before, like, we are in a very privileged position in terms of living in the West, and we are driving the economy, we're driving, as you know, consumerism, you know, and actually our duty is actually say no, as you said, to refuse, actually say no, we don't want these products, we don't want these things, we need to make a much more conscious effort of one, you know, being careful where we invest our money and how we spend our money, or two, not spending it at all, uh, or thirdly, actually invest it into places where you know that people are doing great stuff, you know, so that's what I would say. Yeah. 100%. Um, cool. If you guys have any questions. Oh, wow. Lots of questions. I'd like to you first. Yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I've got a question uh, because I go to a lot of environmental conferences. Um, well, first thing on the colour thing, um, I use it to my advantage mm -hmm. because when I go into a room and everyone's white, mm -hmm. then I throw a question in which is going to be a bit of a blinder. Mm. So no one can actually ever forget me. Mm. Um, I just use my brown skin to my advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and then people want to see when the hell am I going to get out of the room. Mm. Um, <laughs> but my, my key bugbear environmentally is not so much the plastic or um, the vegan side or anything. It is the reason why I've transitioned away from buying nut milks in cartons, because it's only 3% nut or something, and it's 97% water. And when I watch um, Indian TV and Indian news in my house, 
I'm seeing hundreds of thousands of farmers going into the cities all across and actually saying, we're not getting any money for these tomatoes, so we're going to chuck them on the road. Yeah. I see exhibitions in the last 10 years, you know, moving away from plastic bags. Last 10 years, I can get in an exhibition as many cotton bags as I want to for free. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? When they can give it away for free, and it's cost a lot of money for the farmers in Turkey or India to make that, I should be having to pay for that, even in an exhibition. So my key focus here is when the next wars are going to be not over the oil, but it's going to be, and it actually is already in the southern hemisphere on water, do we need, well, I think we do need to look at in the vegan movement, and then we can set an example to the rest of the communities as well. Do we need to be buying products which is 97% water from another country? Or do we need to actually learn from communities like the different communities here that you guys have set up and actually say, well, how can I actually make my own milk? How can I do this? How can I do that? But the key bugbear here is, is are we paying enough attention to water and the transportation? And how do we improve that as vegans and actually say we can step this up, but we have to be conscious of the much wider um, issues? Thank you. We need to talk outside because um, your question is so layered and it's so pertinent, but just simply like our bodies are 67% water, our brains are 67% water, our relation to it. Even when I go in my house, I see people just running water, it drives me insane. So like our, we've become so disconnected as a people, not just, you know, and anyone that has this kind of almost hippie, pagan kind of celebration to water just gets demonized. So I can't really go fully into responding to your question because it's, it's a deep one, but I just think our connection to water is completely... I, in my track, plant more trees, I say we piss in the water and we shit. In, 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 um, piss, we piss and shit in the water, basically. That's one of my lines. Like, how can we call ourselves civilised and we pee and shit in our water? That is fundamentally effed up. Do you know what I mean? So if we can't even deal with that simple thing, we've got a lot of issues, personally, for me. So I can't answer your question fully, but I hope that gets you some way along. Yeah, I mean, that is a great question, but yeah. I think we should talk about it. I think it's outside. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, 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 everything's been completely off this, uh, outside the room. So I'm not, I'm not saying expecting an answer from here because it's quite a big thing. But um, when we look at a lot of the products we're buying as vegans, when I looked at it, I was like thinking, how comes I can't just make it myself? Because I'm, I'm going, buying it, I'm recycling I think you've it, answered your own question. I think you've actually answered your own question. You know we know it's fundamentally wrong, but we have to come up with solutions. Yep. And so this is what I'm kind of saying. We don't have the time to actually go into yep, that with sure. more detail now. Yep. But I think actually there will be no, there's more questions that need to be asked. And I think we need to actually go into it more. I'm not dismissing anything you're saying. I think it's a brilliant question. But we need to give it its full and gravitas that it deserves. Um, so if you do want to make your own stuff, uh, Amy and I have a channels and we, you know, we teach you how to make everything. Yeah. Oat milk, uh, your own peanut butter, you know, all sorts of stuff. It, the internet is where the answers are if you want to make your own things, but most people won't make it out of convenience. And I think if you could get over that convenience factor, then great, but I don't think many people will. Um, as of yet, until you know, until they're in a position in life where they can take so much time out of that life to make their own things, 
uh, you know, that would drastically decrease the water consumption. And it's an interesting one because when you talk about water, right, like, sure, the companies might be using a lot of water to produce things, but because they have to produce it efficiently and cost efficiently, they might be using the water better than an individual might be in terms of to produce the same item. Um, it's a different perspective, but, you know, there's so much to explore there, I think. Do we have time for any more questions? <laughs> three o'clock. <laughs> it ends three minutes ago. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> one more? Yeah, just one. Yeah, you're, you see. We've got 30 minutes left. We've got to oh, loads of time. <laughs> Um, my question is about the circular economy. Um, do you think long term it's a good thing to reuse and make something out of something like plastic bottles, or actually long term we're just giving companies to keep the the um, be able to keep making something which ultimately is an unsustainable polluting product? So my question is more about. Do we want to give those companies more ammunition to make those products by saying, oh, look, we're turning them into this, we're turning them into this, or actually say to them, we need to stop making these things altogether? That's kind of my question, long term. I think, so with that, um, if we are in a circular economy, then you wouldn't, there would be no need to make new stuff, if that makes sense. It would just be all closed loop. But I think what Powan said before is really poignant because there is recycling, right? But then in a lot of cases, most things are downcycled. The key for like circular economy is you want stuff that's closed loop. So stuff that can just be literally just recycled again and again and again and again. So things like glass are good like that. Tin is, is good like that. Um, a lot of people, so you know, we have plastic straws right and now everyone's having paper straws, but at the same time, it's, paper can only be recycled a maximum of like seven times and then it's no longer recyclable. So you need to, if you want a closed loop economy, circular economy, you really need closed loop stuff. So we have so much stuff we've already created, we could just close loop a lot of the things, but it's when we demand, it's when we kind of get duped by, oh, is this recyclable, but really it's downcycling, that's why we're creating stuff that's just pollute, in, in the end it's gonna pollute. So if, if we can try and move towards more of a circular economy, that's gonna be amazing. Um, but we, we get duped so much, you'll see packaging where it says, it'll, ha it'll, ha it'll be paper, right? Let's say a burger in a paper box. It says the box is recyclable, which the box would be recyclable before you put a greasy burger in it. As soon as you put the greasy burger in it, the box is soiled and it's no longer recyclable. But the average person reading that, the box says it's recyclable, so you're going to put it in recycling. But then it's not because it's been soiled. And the worst thing is with recycling, let's say you have a big batch of recycling and there's 15% of it is stuff that's not recyclable, you might contaminate that whole batch. And then in turn, that whole batch is going to go to landfill anyway or be burnt. So. It's, it's a problem with both consumers and the people creating it kind of duping, duping us to some degree. I think it's also about use. So like, not necessarily plastic being a demonized kind of material, more about the way that we actually use it. So like single-use plastics are, I want to swear, but they are just so awful. But we do also use plastics in a way that means that we can make fundamental kind of like advancements. Yeah, exactly. And like the way that we use those is a very like efficient and actually clever way of using it. So it's not that plastic is necessarily the actual problem, it's the way that we're using plastic and the way that we're consuming. So also like there's this, like a good example of a circular kind of 
uh, company that is already using this process is a company called Grinberg, and I talk about them a lot. They're a Danish company that use life rafts that we're always going to need those life rafts, for example, because they go out and they save people's lives. And there's never going to be a, a time when we're not going to need them unless you suddenly find another material. So we need to find ways of using a circular economy to make sure that those materials are, one, still being able to be used to do life-saving things, and also, secondly, finding another way to put them, creating something new and putting them back into society in a way that is sustainable. Because that company, they are making something new out of something that's durable, and their bags are for life. So it's not as though they're like, oh, have this wonderful trendy bag for one year and then swap it in like a plastic cup that's single use. Like, I love it. It's so ironic that we have plastic cups here. But yeah, does that answer your question at all? Yeah, a little bit? How are we going to make it easier? For, just listening to you all there, I'm totally confused. I mean, everyone's saying, like, oh, yeah, use glass. But what about the fact it's heavier, it costs more energy to transport it? Like, there is no... As a, I am a consumer. It's totally confused. Totally confused. And, and we say people power and everything. You know, I've been involved with a lot of social impact businesses. Actually, how we actually show people the impact of their consumption is... I don't see any answers anywhere, and, and I love you guys, you're all great, but there's no answers I'm hearing coming from here, because it's kind of like, I use glass, okay, but that's heavier, and and if it's glass that's come all the way from, you know, Fiji or something, that's not going to be much better than using plastic from, you know, it's just so, so complicated and so confused, I just, I'm a bit overwhelmed by how I'm actually going to make the right consumption choices. Yeah, I, I think it, it, as as Paolo, no, I, I think I think we all feel like we all that. Feel we all feel like that. Even me, you know, being I look at what I'm doing and I still think I could do so much more. So I don't think it's never end. If you're passionate about this journey, it's never ending. So that's the first thing, and you can only take certain steps. You can only do so much. I think you have to be realistic in terms of what you can do as an individual. Um, I mean, coming back to the water thing, does everyone remember water fountains? It's, it's like we, we just create problems in this society and then suddenly we have a campaign to bring things back and it's like, why do we do that? Why don't we just actually do things that actually work and are actually you know really simplistic? The only reason why we don't have water fountains for me, I'm a bit of a, you can probably tell I'm a bit of, a, a bit of an anarchist, I don't care, um, because it's about making money, you know? You package water, everyone buys bottled water for what? Actually, we don't need to buy bottled water realistically, but it makes money. That's the ultimate thing. And if we can change that again, now there's a campaign by the mayor to actually put um, water fountains back in the streets. But there is really simple solutions. For example, there's a town in Japan that has no waste. <laughs> But you don't hear about this town in Japan. You hear it on Facebook or maybe social media. But there are examples where things are possible and the, the vision, the blue skies that we're looking for exists. But as you said, we've been a bit duped about it's it's um, impossible. It's not impossible. People have been living sustainably for thousands and thousands of years. And we've just come in our 400 years capitalist Western society and we're killing the planet. So maybe we need to look back to what actually happened before and change our lifestyles if we want to make fundamental differences. That's what I personally believe. This is why I asked the question earlier about what's more important. Like, is it grassroots activism or is it like political reform? 
And really, like, I think the answer is both, because if you don't have the support of, like, your local MPs or your councils or even just your entire government, we can't be inherently sustainable if we're not given all of the choices and we're not given easy access. Yeah. Exactly. And there's so much information, as I said earlier, about even about recycling. We don't have the right information. And even when we dig through it and find it, it's still so complicated that trying to break it down. So like, we are trying to do our best to try and help consumers regain some kind of power. But at the end of the day, unless we have the full support of governments and people who can actually make policy changes that will also support companies in being more sustainable, but also change culture, changing it into a way that you always have your canvas bag or whatever, and there is no such thing as a plastic bag, etc. I think without the combination of both, it's very hard to move forwards and create a truly sustainable future. So I think you, you hit the nail on the head for all the slight frustrations that we really feel. And yeah, it's, it's a really difficult time and sort of topic if you're sitting on your own. And also, I've spoken about this a lot. We can't expect to be perfect. There's, um, with the government, not everything is made sustainable. So we can't, sometimes we don't even have the choice to go for it. Lack of information, lack of resources. So it's just picking up your fight, doing it the best you can, reuse them as much as you can, and then just try to be the best version of yourself, but never beating yourself up because you're trying. Any more questions? About three, four, wow. <laughs> That's, that's interesting. Um, so, I mean, most of the mainstream banks, they're probably not the best when you look into them. I use, I use one called Triodos. Yeah. Yeah. So they do, they, there is a part of it that does uh, have farming, but they try and only do organic. But like, if that's the only option right now, you've got ones that, so Triodos only invest in things that are socially, uh, that benefit people, environment, and animals, right? They say animals, but they still do farming, right? But in comparison to the main ones, it's a good shift because they only do the stuff that tries to have a benefit. And if more people shift then shift to them, that on the sort of sphere, the marketplace, banks will start seeing, oh wow, more people are shifting to a bank that's trying to do things ethically, then maybe some of the bigger ones will start shifting and then you know there'll be less investment in arms and less investment in factory farming. And I think shifting that power away from the banks, away from where the, most of the money is going is a is quite a big key step. But Triodus is the best one I could find at the moment, but yeah. So we can't hear you. I'm launching a vegan financial platform. Oh, wow. I already have um, one private investment fund for investing in vegan businesses. And I've launched the first uh, vegan stock index, which is listing on the New York Stock Exchange in January. Cool. Amazing. What, what's it called? Just in the room, solutions, see? So, you know, they are out there. They are there. There's someone at the back as well. There was a. What yeah, is it called? So I sorry, I my glasses on. So if you. What was the name of that? Sorry, just before you. U.S. Vegan Climate Index ETF. Okay. Cool. Beautiful. Thank you. Will you find a question at the back? Because I can't. I can't see. You've gone past it. <laughs> 
sorry, it's from a little bit back, but um, when you were talking about contaminating the paper, does that mean I'm wasting my time when I uh, wash and recycle at home? I mean, I know the councils, a lot of it goes to landfill anyway, <laughs> but are you saying if I, I wash a can out and put it in recycling? No, it's just paper, is it? Yeah, with something like a tin can, uh, I'd wash it out, but with, in most cases, paper has to be like clean paper um, to be recycled. And a lot of times it gets soiled if it, you wouldn't necessarily wash like a paper box. Um, you have to watch out with paper as well, like stuff that's, like paper boxes usually have like a plastic inner lining that you don't know about. Even you see a lot of sandwiches if you go out and have a look at them. They'll say recyclable, but they've literally got a plastic inner lining. You try and tear it and you can't, so it, it's not going to be recycled. It's just, and the that's a bit card. of a problem. So you're saying card and paper, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Lady in the middle shut her hand up for ages. Okay. Is that her? Yeah. 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 Hi, thank you. Um, so it's a, a bigger question, sort of combining veganism and um, zero waste. When I came to it, sorry, I'm a bit mumbly. Um, veganism was a bit easier for me because every time I was about to eat something with animal in it, I could see that you know it's part of an animal, so it was a bit easier easier to not contribute to that. But with with plastic, it's it's a bit difficult because, oh, I'm finding it difficult because I don't see, it, we're a bit more removed from it, right? And uh, I make, um, I try to make changes to my life, but there is still, you know, p part of this Western world living in London, they, I'm still contributing to a lot of plastic waste. And how you, you were saying, so Claudia, you were saying just do your best and don't beat yourself up, but where does where do you draw the line and without becoming too anxious about having to contribute to some plastic waste? Yeah, that's, I don't know if it's a very clear question. Yeah, it is. Um, I've been there and I actually find myself there every, like a lot of the time. Time. Um, it's just if you can find an alternative, then ju just use the alternative. But if you can't, if you um, if you need something that comes wrapped in plastic, or if you're an event and you just need water and you can find a fountain or you can find anything to drink water from, just use plastic because uh, you need to survive to spread the message and you need to survive to keep on leaving. So. If you have the alternative, just go for it and be proud about it. But if you can't find it, then I think it's okay. In my opinion, it's okay. We're not perfect and we're never going to be perfect. I don't think. Hopefully, someday, we can get close to that. But I don't know if any of you think it um, Some days, I go without eating because I can't find anything plastic-free. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, like you know, if if I feel like I'm gonna faint or something, I'm like, all right, cool, let's let's have something. Um, but you know, I think we we all can try our best. Um, it's really about how far you can go with your current circumstances. I live with my parents, so they do bring a lot of food that's wrapped in plastic, even though I I, I give them food. Um, you know, what can I do? Um, yeah. I, I pissed my mom off a lot because, you know, I wouldn't bring anything that she eats. And she, she thinks I'm going to die or something. She, she thought I was going to die when I went vegan, but, you know, clearly not. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, push yourself far as you can go. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you tried your best. And that's all that matters, I think. Yeah. 
I think we've just about run out of time, but if any of you have any more questions, like you can always come and find us afterwards and continue discussion. But apart from that, thank you guys for coming. And thank you. Thank you. Can we snatch the water bottle? I'm Paolo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Why are you put a J for your own name? What's his name? What your handle? On Instagram is Plastic Free Monkey. I am Claudia. Send my Instagram. I am Claudia Ayuso. That's A Y U S O. And I'm Ian. Um, I have two handles: KMT KMT underscore May. That's um, for all the social medias. You can find me Facebook. And then also um, M-A-Y underscore G-D-A is my project as well. So you can use those as well. Same with Instagram, Facebook, sort of same. Uh, my name is Pavan, and uh, the company that I run is called Zero Waste Club. So it's quite easy to remember. Cool. And I'm Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us. Great. Thank you. Thank you. On the 28th of April, Revolution Topics Environment is coming to the Roundhouse in Camden, London. Come and join us for an afternoon of inspiring talks and great food. Tickets start from just £15 and you can expect talks on the topics of food waste, low impact living and tackling climate change. Tickets are now on sale at www.revolution.co forward slash topics hyphen 2019. Until the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.